his wisdom for what he would have me share from his word with you this morning. And, and it's, one of those, it's one of those mornings where um, every time I tried to put down on paper what he was speaking to my heart, he would just speak more and more and more to my heart. And, and, and it was like the song said, it was like he would just desired to captivate me in his presence and in his love this week. It wasn't as much about getting a, a formulated message down on paper. It was about encountering the Lord and speaking out of that encounter. And the Lord spoke uh, clearly and, and loudly this week. And so I, I want to I clarify a few things before we get going. Um, this message is going to be a message about works. It is going to be about what God has called us into as His body of Christ. And I know when the word works gets brought up, we, we, we start getting worried about things like religion and, and, and false doctrine and things like that. So let me just be clear and get a lot of that out of the way this morning. God's Word says that it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And, that, and in that, it's a gift. It's a gift of God so that no man may boast. So we're not talking about works that lead unto salvation this morning. We're talking about the work that God has called us to as kingdom builders. The work that God has called us to as those who profess to know Him and to follow Him. And we're going to preach the entire gospel this morning because God's Word also says that faith without works is dead. Dead. So, so God is calling us up as Bertie sang this morning, he is calling us up into obedience. Knowledge of him is one thing. Obedience to him is another. Obedience requires a cost. Obedience requires a sacrifice. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I want to start with a quote. Do you, do you have that, Dave? Um, yep. I want to start with a quote from Elizabeth Elliot. Raise your hand if you know who Elizabeth Elliot is. Let me just read this quote. What do I need, where do I not need to stand so it doesn't do that? Listen to this quote. If I peer anxiously into the fog of the future, I will strain my spiritual eyes so that I will not see clearly what is required of me now. This quote rocked me <laughs> this week. This quote rocked me. Now, for the, we'll get back to the quote in just a second, but for those who don't know who Elizabeth Elliot is, she was the wife to Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot is famous as the missionary who, in attempting to make contact with a native Ecuadorian tribe, was killed by that tribe. So he had said at one point in his life, Lord, you are worthy. He sang the same lyrics that you sang this morning. Lord, you are worthy. And so he gets on a boat, he goes to Ecuador, and he, he meets the Akua people, and they take his life. And there's Elizabeth Elliot, his wife. And, and, and what is she supposed to do with that, right? She, she loved the Lord herself, but, but, but like that has to bring up all of these questions Inside yourself, like, Lord, does, this, does the same fate await me if I, if I serve you with everything that I have? Is, 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 there, is there a cost that I, that I wasn't counting in, in serving you? Do, 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 am I just not meant to be a missionary? This feels like a closed door, Jesus. This is a closed door, so I'm going to go home, I'm going to go back to America, and I'm going to do my own life, Right? She could have said that, right? She had all these questions about the future, but she was wise enough to know that the further you look out into the future, the foggier it gets. Amen? And she said, if I constantly do that, if I continue to do that, I will strain my spiritual eyes so that I will not see clearly what the Lord has for me right now. And church, we are in a season where we are tempted to peer into the fog of the future. We want to we ingest every prophecy and read every prophetic word that we can so that we will understand what is coming next. 
But here's what I fear is going to happen to many of us. We're going to get there. We're going to step into the next time in, in this end time season. And we're going to go, I knew it. I told you. I listened to this message and I heard this prophetic word. I knew it. Now what do I do? We have to be prepared for the fog of the future. Because here is the one thing we know about the future. We can't see the future with 100% clarity. But he does, God's word does give us a level of visibility into the fog. John 16, 33, Dave. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. You know the first thing we see that we're going to have in the future? Tribulation. Whether you're pre, whether you're post, whether you're awe, it doesn't matter. You will have suffering. You will have tribulation in your life. And we must be ready for it. Romans 8, verse 17. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. What church? Provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. And then Matthew 24, verses 6-12. through 12, I'm going to read that from the screen. And you will, hear, you will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But, this, but the end is not yet. So it's going to get bad before the end, church. Next slide. For nation will rise against nation. Do we see it? And kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Church, this is what we must prepare ourselves for today so that we will be ready for it tomorrow. They will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away. So, 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 so falling away means you were there. Falling away means you were close. Falling away means that you held on to it at one point. And, and uh, false prophets will arise and lead many astray. If we're not ready for tomorrow, there is risk of falling away and being led astray by false prophets. And that it's not going to happen in this church, declares the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Keep going. And because lawlessness will be increased, do we see that church? The love of many will grow cold. Keep going but the one who endures. The one who endures to the end will be saved. You see, each of these guarantees of, of trial and of struggle, they also come with a promise, right? John 16, In this world you'll have trouble, but, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And, and I am with you to the end of the age. And I will be with you wherever you go. Romans 8, 17, Right? provided that we suffer with Him. But if you suffer with Him, then you get to be an heir. You get to be co-heirs with Christ. There, there was a promise attached to... There was a promise of glory attached to the promise of suffering that we see in Scripture. And there is salvation for those who endure to the end in Matthew 26. And because the future is at best a fog to us, and, and navigating the waters of, of life in the thick fog of, of, of the unknown, all that does is bring anxiety. All that does is bring confusion. And, and all that does is sum up and lead to depression. And, and we can't have that. So, so, so Elizabeth Elliot knew that, and she said, you know what? I've got to stop looking at the future. I've got to fix my eyes on the now and do what is required of me now. She resolved to remain obedient in the things of the present, listening and responding to God in immediate obedience to His command. That's what Bertie was singing about this morning. He's heard your words, but until you act, they're just words. Until you move, you haven't moved. There's a lot of potential energy in this room where there should be kinetic energy in this room. We should be moving and active and doing 
not thinking and knowing and saying. This is a morning of decision. This is a morning of, of decision. Jesus would, would put this same thought in the final verse of Matthew chapter 6, Dave. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's keep going in God's Word. It's beautiful. In Psalm 119, we read, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The lamp at our feet, church, provides enough light to illuminate our path for the day. It doesn't throw the light out to the future. It doesn't paint the whole picture of what our entire lives will be. The lamp unto our feet gives us enough light for the day. Then we must replenish our lamps with oil and we must trim our wicks so that we walk in the light of day for all of our days. There's a cost to this. There's a time element to this. If He is worthy, then we will give Him that time. If He is worthy, then we will pay that cost. Ephesians 6 says what? For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and powers of when? This present darkness. We have enough spiritual battles to fight today before we even get to the point where we're ready to worry about tomorrow. Today. Now. 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 God is grounding us in the now this morning. God is rooting us in the present this morning. Why would you assume that you will know God deeper tomorrow if you don't spend time in your prayer closet today? Do, do you think it just happens? Do you think that God just draws near and deposits everything that you need into your bank account? God's Word says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You draw near to him and I will draw near to you. There's a responsibility and there's a cost. How do you propose to conquer that sin which so easily entangles you when you won't buffet your body now and make it a slave to you? There's a cost. There's a weight. How do you think you're going to... Look, Ray Stokes gave a great word last week. And, and, and at the end of that word, he called everybody up who wanted to grow in the prophetic. And, and, and so many people came forward and they stood over here and they said, Yes, Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want to move and operate in the prophetic. I want to be a mouthpiece of God to a broken and hurting world. Yes, church, pray for me that that will happen. That will not happen from a blessing from the church alone. There is a price that must be paid in the secret place. There is a price that must be paid in the prayer closet. God is looking for a people who are hungry, who will not be satisfied with the things of this world. The amount of time you spend in the prayer closet is in direct proportion to the level that you think God can and will use you in His kingdom. The time that you spend in the prayer closet is in direct proportion to, to if you believe God is who He says He is and the plan that He has for you. It cannot be done outside of that. Today is a day of decision. And there's hardly a more biblical concept than that of sowing and reaping. Right? And it's a simple concept. This is, this is why it's such a beautiful thing in the Bible. You, 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 you sow something today... You reap that harvest tomorrow. Everybody got that? Or does anybody need me to go deeper into that analogy? Sowing and reaping. Super easy. Investing what has been entrusted to you today and then reaping a greater profit tomorrow. And there's hardly a better example of that in God's Word um, than the prophet Daniel. Today we're going to look at, a, at the highlight reel of the life of the prophet Daniel. I believe that God is calling each of us to walk in a Daniel anointing. To walk in a Daniel anointing. And we're going to unpack this today. But, but the Daniel anointing is not something that, that just, I come up to Moses and just give him the Daniel anointing. The, the Daniel anointing is something that must be cultivated. 
It must be earned. It must be sown into the ground. It must be watered. It must be nurtured. And it must be exercised. And then it is harvested. Then it is harvested. This type of anointing is directly proportional to our commitment to holiness and obedience. Bertie's Song of the Lord was spot on this morning. Now is a time for obedience. This type of anointing is not reserved for some special category of Christian. It is for every man and woman who is willing to put off the things of the world. This, for, for the businessmen in the room, this sermon is just a value proposition. I'm just trying to lay out a value prop for you. Is he really worthy? Is he really worthy of everything? The Daniel anointing is about spiritual investing. It is about sowing at a level where you reap a supernatural harvest. It is about sowing every little seed that you can, knowing that in Christ it will reap 30, 60, and 100 fold. We're not talking about minor returns with Christ. We're talking about supernatural returns for the investment. For those of us who are savvy in the, the, the finance world and the investing world, like this, this, we are without any excuse, those of us who understand the ins and outs of money. Because in, in God's economy, in the kingdom economy, you, reap, you sow time in the prayer closet, you, reach, you reap being supernaturally used by the king in his kingdom. And, and that, is, that, that, that blows out of proportion the amount of time you invested in the prayer closet. 30, 60, and 100 fold. This is what he promises us. This is what he's calling us to. The amount which you sow in the spiritual now reflects the level of your desire to be used by God in the future. Let, I want you to hear that again. There were way too few amens for that. And I hope that's because of introspection and conviction. The amount which you sow in the spiritual now reflects the level of your desire to be used by God in the future. Through a look at the person of Daniel, we will see how we are to live today in light of what we know about the future. You see, for Daniel, his anointing was the application of the oil of intimacy over and over and over again. He got in his closet three times a day. He prayed. He knew God's voice. He fasted. Every time we go in the closet, he, he anoints us with the oil of intimacy every single time, whether it's five minutes or ten minutes. I don't know how it could be five minutes. I want to be in there for an hour. He just keeps pouring the oil of intimacy on me. And as he pours that oil on us over and over and over and over and over and over again, when he calls us to sway kings and kingdoms, we will be ready. But only if we have done that work up front. He stayed in the prayer closet until, until he was able to become God's agent for supernatural intervention in a pagan world in the court of a pagan king. Many of us stop short because we don't think God will ever use us at that level, at that capacity. Let me tell you, church, Daniel is not special. Daniel is not chosen. Daniel put in the time. Daniel put in the work. Daniel wanted to know his king. Dan here's, the, here's the trick. Daniel didn't want the Daniel anointing. Daniel wanted God. Daniel wanted Yahweh. That was the reward in and of itself. And that's how we get the Daniel anointing. That's just, a, that's just a, a beautiful bystander. So let's hop into God's Word. I think I've got a lot of Daniel up there for you guys to follow along. Can I get a, can I get a water? Do you have Daniel 1 up there? Are you all tracking with me so far? You good? In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some uh, of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, which is Babylon, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. 
Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, use without blemish, so like just picture me in your head, use without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans, which is just a, a larger term for, for wise men. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Let me tell you what's happening here. Let me tell you the story before the story. It helps us to understand our, our character um, the, 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 the nation of Judah is just coming out from under the reign of King Josiah. King Josiah was the last good king in, in Judah. And, and, and here are kind of two of his uh, of things he was known for and famous for. Um, they, under Josiah, they found a, a copy of Deuteronomy. They found a copy of the Deuterocanonical law. This had been... It, Israel and Judah has, had, had just given themselves over to idolatry, to idolatrous worship. They had, they had forsaken the things of God to, to the point where they didn't even read the laws of Moses anymore. Right? Everything that you guys know the Old Testament, everything that we read is like, be careful to do everything that I command of you and you will prosper in the land that I am sending to you. And they're so far removed from that that they actually have to go and uncover a copy of Deuteronomy in the treasury, in the storehouse. And, and then Josiah brings the Word of God back to prominence in Judah. There, there is a revival of God's Word in the land of Judah during the days that Daniel is born. Before the, 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 the conquering king Nebuchadnezzar comes in and, and conquers Jerusalem, David is being brought up by a family in this revival. So listen, church. Before the trouble comes, before the conquering king comes, before the enemy comes and devours, David is being brought up in the Word. His parents were following the great Shema of Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You must love the Lord your God with your whole mind, your whole being, and all your strength. These words I'm commanding you today must be kept in mind. And listen to verse 7. And you must teach them to your children and speak of them as you sit in your house, as you walk along the road, as you lie down and get up. You know what, you know what that's saying? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Do we need any more descriptors there? It's all the time. And, and it's not only for us, it is our children. Yes. In, in, our, in our prayer time today, this morning, Chris Webb pray, prayed that, the, that our children would receive the first fruits of a reignited fire for the Lord in our church. And we pray that. We want our children to be brought. We, we have the most special guest in the room today, and that is Abigail Adams. Y'all, Would y'all give it up for the newest member of our church, Abigail Adams. You can't see her. She's how many days old? Two weeks. She is two weeks old. It, it, it is incumbent upon Rachel and Austin to bring her up in the things of the Lord. Not so that she knows them and can say them and repeat them. So that she walks in them. So that they consume her, right? It's not how many times you go through the Word of God. It's how many times the Word of God goes through you. That has to be our goal. And so Daniel was brought up in this. This was the life that Daniel was leading. So that when the day of trouble came, he was ready. He knew who he was and who his God was before the day of persecution came. You see, Daniel had set his heart toward God. This oil of intimacy, this Daniel anointing was first applied in his youth before trouble, before deportation, before captivity. See, he wasn't worried about... He was ripped from his home. He was ripped from his family. He, he was so far from the promised land and the promises of God. Like, to, to the Jew in this time... 
This is the end of the world. This is the day of the Lord has come. It is all over. I mean, God's promises, that those are so far off that the rest of Judah has abandoned God. And his, in Jerusalem, the city of God, gets besieged and taken over. It's over. It's over. Everything that I've learned in the Torah my whole life, it's just all over. The bad guy won. I'm being taken from my home and taken from my family and taken to Babylon to, to be indoctrinated in Zoroastrianism. That was the religion of Babylon and Persia at the day of the day. He wasn't going just to live in a king's court. He was going to be indoctrinated into their religion. His name Daniel, which means Yahweh is my judge, would be stripped from him and he would be renamed Belteshazzar which means Bel, the foreign god, protect the king. His identity in God has been stripped. And, 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 and it was a common tactic of kings, right? They'd go in, they'd conquer a place, they'd take the best and the brightest and the, and the most intelligent people, and they would bring them into the king's court, and they would train them in the way of the, of the Babylonians and the Persians. They would give them this great education. Um, they would train them in their religious rites, and then if they ever needed to, they could send them back out into these vassal states and have them say, oh, hey, Babylon's not so bad. Babylon, there's some pretty good food in Babylon. There, there, there's some seasoned wine in, in Babylon. And so before trouble comes, we must set our hearts on God, purposing to know Him and, and obey Him in all that we eat, in all that we drink, in all that we say, in all that we do. Listen to me closely, church. This is not legalism. This is not a message of legalism. This is not a message of religion. This is not a message of striving to earn approval before God. This is a message about being found approved by God, having received the gift of Jesus Christ, finding Him to be worthy of laying it all down. All of my rights privileges, freedoms, liberties, whatever you want to call it, they're not worth it in comparison to him. So he resolved in his heart to be set apart before the day of trouble came. But he was also resolute during the time of trouble. And this oil of intimacy kept being applied over and over. Um, he, he was sowing, he was cultivating his relationship with the Lord, proving that it was not only in words, but it was about keeping his commands. Daniel 1, verse 8, Dave. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or the wine with, uh, that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs, and the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see that you were in worse conditions than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king? Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who you know better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let your appearance and the uh, then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you, and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were eating a diet of vegetables and water after 10 days, I would not look fatter in flesh. If anybody could pull it off, it's me. Like eating, eating vegetables for 10 days and still coming out a pound or two up, that would be me, right? But Daniel separated himself with his diet he resolved that he would not defile himself. He knew the commands of the Lord before he ever got to Babylon. 
and he set his heart to obey him. And his heart was not in keeping the letter of the law. His heart was purity. His heart was walking in purity before a holy, holy, holy God. And here's what's interesting. It wasn't just Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego that were taken. It was a whole company of the youngest and best and brightest of the Hebrews. And four of them abstained. Four of them said, no, no seasoned wine for me. Four of them said, no, I don't need your choicest meats. I just need God. The rest of the Hebrew company assimilated and syncretized and enjoyed and relaxed and rested. And as we, go, as we continue the story of this highlight reel of Daniel, I want you to see how often God uses Daniel versus how often God uses the others whose names aren't even mentioned in this story, who enjoyed the, the, the fats of this land. The oil continued to be applied uh, when Daniel stared death in the face. See, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He was laying in bed. Things are good. He's this conquering king. He's conquered all these nations. He's, he, he's become so great and so feared among all of the world. And one night he puts his head on his pillow and uh, the creator God of the universe puts a dream in his head. And it wakes him up and it keeps him up. And he can't figure it out. And it's gnawing at him. And he knows there's something wrong. And so he summons all the magicians and enchanters and Chaldeans and wise men. And he says to them this. O wise men of Babylon, I have two requests of you. Tell me the dream that I had. And then interpret the dream that I had. And his wise men said, Oh, king, you ask of us something that no good king would ask of his wise men. For who can interpret a dream that he has not been told? Good king, tell us the dream and we will interpret it for you. And he said, Nope, you're just trying to buy yourself time. I want you to tell me. This is how I know that, that you serve the real God. I want you to tell me the dream. And then I want you to interpret it. And if you can't tell me the dream, I don't have time for you. In fact, if you can't tell me the dream, I'm going to cut you to pieces and burn down your houses. Y'all remember this from Sunday school? Flannel boards? <laughs> Flannel boards? This is God's word. He says, if you're, not if you're not ready to do that, I'm going to cut you up and I'm going to burn your whole household. And they couldn't do it. And so, the, and so King Nebuchadnezzar became in, in, uh, enraged and furious and he sent out messengers of death to kill all the wise men, all the enchanters, all the sages, all the satraps, whatever you want to call them, and, and, and put them to death. And so a messenger of death came to Daniel. And he goes, whoa, 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 what's, what, what's going on? What's the big deal? And he says, nobody can tell the king his dream. Nobody can interpret his dream. And Daniel says this, make me an appointment. Get me an appointment with the king. Yeah. Now, I want you to put yourself in Daniel's shoes for a second. Based on the life that you're living now, based on the, on the level of intimacy that you walk in with your father, based on the level to which you know your father, if his people find themselves in captivity and exile and subject to pagan gods and pagan kings and God comes to you and says, I want you to tell the king his dream and I want you to interpret it. What do you say? Do you say make the appointment? We've got to get to that point, church. That's what God is calling us to do. The tomorrow that we're going to walk in. No, no, no. Young, young parents, listen to this. The tomorrow that your children will walk in demands that we be walking at this level. Demands that we be investing the time and energy now to get to the point where we reap a supernatural harvest tomorrow. To where God can use us to sway pagan kings 
and kingdoms to not only interpret dreams, but to tell them the dream themselves. That's what God is calling Fireworks Church to. That, that is what God has put on my heart as your pastor for us as a church to walk in. Gone are the days of hearing and not doing. And there's a price to be paid. There's a cost to the Daniel anointing. Many of us, many of us want to be a part of the last day's outpouring of the Spirit. Amen? We love Joel 2. We love Acts 2. We want to be a part of it. Many of us want to be vessels through which God does many signs and wonders and bringing people to the saving uh, knowledge and, and faith and knowing Him. We, we want to be a part of that. We, we want to be a part of the work of bringing a great uh, latter-day harvest to Christ before the judgment and wrath of God fall on this world for a final time. But there's an opportunity cost that must be paid. Again, I speak to the businessmen in the room. There's the cost of doing something always comes in the cost of not being able to do something else. And so there's an opportunity cost that lies before each and every one of us today. What will you forego? What will you lay down? What will you not enjoy? For the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, Paul says, I consider it all rubbish. I consider it all rubbish but the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and being found in Him. In that some way I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. There was, there was, there was a cost to be paid. You don't get Him and this world. It's just not how it works. You can't serve both God and mammon. You can't serve both God and man. It doesn't work. Here's the problem. A lot of times we preach a gospel that fits within our comfort level of what we're willing to walk in ourselves. God is calling us to preach a gospel that says, you be at the ready. You be at the ready, because I want to use you, Rosemary, supernaturally. I want to use you supernaturally to heal people. I want, you, I want to use you supernaturally to, to bring people out of depression and anxiety and addiction. I want, I want to use you supernaturally to bring them into the hope that they don't even think exists. To call them out of the blindness of the lies that this world is telling them and call them into the family of God to be co-heirs with Christ. That's what he's calling us to. gets to the point in Daniel's life where the Lord begins to, to show him visions and dreams of the future, of the end times. Now he's being used at a level where he's going to be in God's holy writ. He's going to be in God's word delivered once for all the saints and people millennia later sitting in Fabra Elementary cafeteria are going to look at the words that he's written to better understand the fog of the future. He's being used in that capacity at that level by Jesus. And listen to this. It says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three whole weeks. I ate no choice food. No meat or wine came to my lips. Nor did I anoint myself with oil until the end of those three weeks. He paid the price question this morning is, are you hungry? And is he worthy? He is sinking a company of people who will take the low way, the low road. Not catering to the things of this world. Not going after both the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. Because here's what's at stake. Right after that, he says, he sees a vision from the Lord. And he says in Daniel 10, verses 7 and 8, Only I, Daniel, saw the vision. The men who were with me did not see it. On the contrary, they were overcome with fright and ran away to hide. I alone was left to see this great vision. 
My strength drained from me and my vigor disappeared. I was without energy. There is a cost to this next season in your life. And today is a day of decision. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a big decision to make. But we don't say it flippantly. We don't say it glibly. Because there's a high price. The, The perfect example of that high price was the death of Jesus on the cross at Calvary. He paid it all. The price has been paid for your salvation. But now it is our charge to pay the price, storing up the oil of intimacy, that when the bridegroom is delayed, that when the bridegroom is delayed, we have enough oil in our lamps to be ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. So I leave it in your hands this morning. The Daniel anointing is about investing in the spiritual today so that you can reap in the supernatural tomorrow. It's about investing in God's word today so that you can walk in the prophetic tomorrow. It's about investing in purity today so that you can walk in holiness tomorrow. The Daniel anointing is about investing in today and reaping tomorrow. The Daniel anointing is setting your heart towards God. It is getting shut in with God and shutting out the world and being perfectly fine with that because He showers you with His love. He lavishes you with all wisdom and insight and wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. It is committing yourself to His statutes, His commands, His ways. The Daniel anointing is resolving to not defile yourselves in any way so that at any point you can be used by God in any way that he might choose. The Daniel anointing is cultivated. It is not given. It is sown and nurtured and watered and God will cause the growth. It is the oil of intimacy applied over and over and over with decision after decision to choose God over yourself on a day by day basis. This is no small thing. This is no low calling. This is a high calling. Come on up, says the Lord this morning. Come on up and give me your obedience, says the Lord this morning. And I will do many signs and wonders through you. I will sway kings and nations through you. Do you believe it? Will you receive it? Will you pay the price? That's all I've got. Let's pray. I just want the band to come back up as we pray. I want us to sing the the refrain of, of the song that talked about God being worthy. You got that, Jay? And I want us to sing that refrain again of His worth. But I I want us to sing it in the light of the word of God that we just received. Do not sing the words, you are worthy, without meaning it. In fact, I would challenge you in your hearts and in your mind to choose the things that you know you've been holding back from God. The things that you've been holding on to. Where, where, where you would never admit this in your words, but in, in your heart of hearts you know you, God hasn't been worthy of me laying this down yet. God hasn't been worthy of me stopping pursuing this dream and start pursuing His calling that He has for me. Put that in your mind and then lay that at His feet and then tell Him you are worthy. That church is worshiping in spirit and in truth. And those are the types of worshipers he is seeking this morning. Let's stand in a spirit of prayer and worship and sing our praises to God who is worthy to be praised.
God, you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Our cry is that you are worthy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Lord, take our everything. Consume us with your fire. And turn those ashes into something beautiful. We are yours. Teach us to walk in this this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, know this. Know that I love you. Know that we love you as a church. That, that um, God's calling is a high calling and there's a high cost, but we're not meant to walk it alone. Me as your pastor and our, and our elders and our founders, um, we're ready to walk this with you. If there's something that you just can't lay down, come, come find us. We'll, we'll walk with you through it. We're a family. We're meant to do this as a family. We're supposed to endure to the end as a family. So don't, don't leave sour and don't leave discouraged. Know that God has placed you in a body and that we will support those who need to be supported. We will encourage those who need to be encouraged. You will not walk this alone. We love you. We pray for you. Part of of this, part, part of this message is God reigniting in my own heart and driving me to my knees in prayer for you on a constant basis. Keeping my face in the ground before the throne of Jesus. Like this isn't a message you can preach and not live out. So God's calling me deeper as well and calling you to hold me accountable in this as well. So let's do it together. I love you. Go in peace to love and serve the world with gladness and singleness of heart. You guys are dismissed. Have a great week. I love you.